I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and here we go with the Jack Riccardi Show. All right. Heading into the Memorial Day high school graduation weekend. I said it at the beginning of the week. Bear with me. I'm going to be, I'm a wreck. I'm an emotional wreck. Because not only am I the father of a high school graduate, but, you know, I'm Sicilian. We... We we cry very easily. Mm-hmm. We get yeah. angry very easily. We cry very. I, I'm, I've been like, uh, and then I wrote a column about it today. And Christian, I can't even, I can't even read it. Yeah. So Jack, it's a new chapter. It's not the end of I anything. Know. It's oh, a I new know. chapter. I know. I know. I'm excited for. Her. I just, and I. It was funny because like this morning was all they had to do this morning was go to the senior breakfast. This was the last day of school. Mm-hmm. So all they had was this breakfast. So I drive her in, and usually I drop her off at school, and I, I leave. But because I didn't know how long she would be there, um, I just stayed in the immediate area around the high school. And I had some breakfast and waited until she texted me that she was ready to leave. And I went back to the school, and I got her. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, this is the last time we're ever going to do this. But to, to kids, it's just like, huh. Summer summer vacation. Here we go. You know. Yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to make be all the clamped and bring them down, right? I mean, you just <laughs> you're ruining them all. You don't want to like. <laughs> say, yeah. To me, this is like historic and significant, and I'm always going to remember. And they're just like, yeah, it's summertime now. You know? Yeah, but I remember the end of my senior year. It wasn't just summertime. I was like, thank goodness this is over. Yeah. yeah they no do tears. a lot for the kids now too. Like there were. It seemed like there was a lot of like wrap-up stuff and special stuff like the senior breakfast we didn't have we didn't have a senior breakfast when i was graduating from high school i mean the last day of school it was like you better you better bring your textbooks back that was about all they had for us on the last day of school (laughs) have you given us everything that we loaned to you have you turned this in have you turned your locks in did you do this did you hand in your gym shorts and all you had to give everything you know that was about it they were just like doing the books but now it's and i was saying this to a friend of mine i was saying you know i I'm glad they do it for the kids, but it's really different. And she made a great point. She said, "You know, they have to, they have to recognize the achievement of graduating these days because it's not the foregone conclusion it was when we were in school." I feel I bad think that's now. True. Yeah, I feel bad now because my school did a senior breakfast, but I skipped it. <laughs> you skipped the senior breakfast. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to skip senior breakfast. Yeah, it's a long night the, the night before. Stuff. What are you going to do? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Now we know. All right. Well, anyway, welcome to our dreadful little show for Friday, and we'll kick into the weekend here by talking about what's going on in the news and what's going on in our lives, and uh, and we have the dish coming up. We'll talk restaurants in our 6 o'clock hour. Well, sooner or later, this was going to happen, and uh, now it has. Uh, I think this is the, really the first time Ron DeSantis has ever said this, but in a um, in an interview yesterday, you know, obviously the big story this week, DeSantis is now officially a candidate. In an interview yesterday, he said this. Uh, he said that President Trump turned the country over, his words, to Dr. Anthony Fauci and destroyed millions of people's lives as a result. I think he did great for three years, but when he turned the country over to Fauci in March of 2020, that destroyed millions of people's lives and in florida we were one of the few that stood up cut against the grain took incoming fire from media bureaucracy the left other republicans we had schools open quickly we preserved businesses 
COVID, uh, Florida, since COVID, has outperformed any other state in the country, he said. Trump responded, Florida was actually closed for a great long period of time. Remember, he closed the beaches. He's trying to rewrite history, says Trump. And then Trump went here. He said, Trump, uh, he said, DeSantis might be better than most Democratic governors, but he was very average as a Republican governor. Cuomo did better on COVID, referring to former New York governor Andrew Cuomo. This is actually not the first time he's paid Cuomo a compliment. But what do you think about attacking DeSantis by saying, you know, Cuomo did a better job? Um, Florida had the third most COVID deaths in the country. It also has the third highest population in the country. So New York had fewer people and also fewer COVID deaths. Um, Florida did outperform New York on per capita deaths, which is not only important in and of itself, but remember Florida's population is more elderly. uh, So I think that also uh, says something. Um, if you, and I know this is kind of a crazy question, but based on everything you saw and heard, if you had to weather the COVID pandemic in either Florida or New York state, which one would you have rather been in? I mean, I know you were here, but let's just say you had to be in one of those two states. That's the only choice you're going to be given. Would you have wanted to spend the COVID years or a year and a half in Florida or in New York State? I, I understand it's it's campaign season and uh, you, you got to find stark, uh, sound biteish ways of you know calling out your uh, your rivals. But I don't know. I mean, I got to I got to be honest with you. This one doesn't work for me at all. Uh, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get my vote and you're holding up Andrew Cuomo, that does not work for me at all. Andrew Cuomo was a complete corrupt failure on every level, starting out with getting the job because of his famous daddy to botching the job of New York's economy, crime rate. And then when COVID came along, the absolute just... I mean, I don't know what, any other word to, de- to describe it other than the um, the kind of obscenity, all right, or atrocity of the nursing home policy. And you know what, Donald Trump, you're going to have to find a better way. If you want to say DeSantis is not, not all that in a bag of chips, please, a better way than than bringing in Andrew Cuomo. But, but where would you have rather spent the pandemic? I, I mean... I'm glad I was here, but if you give me the choice between New York and Florida, it would be Florida. It, it, probably for a lot of things, but but definitely for having to live under that period of time. T- that's our question today on the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery. If you had to weather the pandemic in either New York or Florida, which would it be? Uh, we're seeing stories every day now that the the beer industry is in shock. And they're in shock for two reasons. They're in shock because they can't believe what happened to Bud Light. Obviously, right? 
But they're also in shock because they're realizing that that could have been any of them. In other words, Bud Light and the company that owns that brand, Anheuser-Busch InBev, they're not unusual or outliers. They did something in the Dylan Mulvaney promotional partnership that a lot of companies are doing. In fact, it's probably occurred to the people at Coors Light that if they had thought of the Dylan Mulvaney idea, they would have done it. Or if it had been presented to them or pitched to them, they would have done it. They, they weren't smarter. They were just luckier. And um, the editor of Beer Business Daily, a guy named Harry Schumacher, says, the whole industry is in shock. Bud's competitors aren't dancing on their graves. They know it could have happened to them. We're now several weeks in, and the numbers are getting a little worse for Bud Light every single week. And at this point, a couple of things uh, occur to me. One, is this really about Dylan Mulvaney and trans people and LGBTQ? Or is this, have we just learned that what we'll call, I guess, like red state America or, or whatever you want to call it, is actually a very powerful economy all by itself. I mean, think about it. Imagine if consumers reacted to other brands taking it too far, a bridge too far, pushing a radical concept in their face, redefining the experience of shopping in their store or buying their product or being associated with it. How far can these companies go before Red State America reacts? And we've just seen it. Now, that doesn't mean it will happen every time. That doesn't mean it will happen to Target or North Face or Calvin Klein, although it might. But now we know that it can. These companies, by the way, are not, and here's the other point I wanted to make, they're not, they're not wiser now. They're not like, oh, okay, we need to concentrate on beer or selling, you know, clothes. So, for example, there's a um, uh, an internal email reportedly from Target after the Pride Month disaster. They lost $9 billion in market cap in one week. And their internal memo is that they're going to shift to the anniversary of George Floyd. They're going to change their focus from the pride, uh, tuck bathing suits, gender fluid coffee mugs, to George Floyd. Now, George Floyd is not a cause. Uh, he was not and is not a hero. He is not, to most Americans, one of our greatest historical figures. His death was a tragedy. I'm not making light of it. He contributed to his own death with his actions, but his death was still a tragedy. Um, the riots that followed his death did nothing for him or his family, but were horrific for the country and for just race relations in general. So for Target to pivot from Dylan, uh, excuse me, from uh, LGBTQ to George Floyd 
is probably indicative that we are only at the very beginning of this, you know, kind of sorting out. And so when we hear that these brands are in shock, I believe that they are. But it doesn't mean that your your work is done because you stopped buying Bud Light, that message has been delivered, and uh, there'll be no more of this nonsense. But it will be interesting to see. I, I don't think they ever thought people like you and me would react in a way that would be devastating because we never have before. We've always just kind of shrugged it off or shook our head or vented on talk radio or, you know, made a joke about it. And um, and now they know differently. And now they don't really know when the next Bud Light thing will happen. So they're still trying their little uh, gambits, but now they don't really know if they will pay a dear price or not. And, 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 and by the way, um, I think there will have to be more of these. It, it, it can't be just one and done. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not, I'm not calling for any boycotts. I don't do that. You, you can make up your own mind. You don't need some guy on the radio. But, but it's just interesting to note that we are, uh, we're seeing a new, well, really not a new. It's, it's, it's a very old behavior, but we're seeing it from a new group of Americans that have never shown this before. And uh, maybe it's an extension of the, the pushback that public schools are getting. You know, maybe, maybe it's an extension of the fact that all of a sudden parents have become very mobilized and militant about what their local public schools are doing. Maybe it's a, even an outgrowth of, of COVID. Maybe it's even an outgrowth of, uh, of the, sort of the, the, the Trump phenomenon. But clearly um, there are new people on the playing field that have yet to be reckoned with, and you're one of them. The uh, Bud Light people are continuing to sponsor uh, Pride events, according to Daily Wire Foundation. Um, they're doing the uh, St. Louis uh, Pride Parade, the Chicago Pride Parade, and some others. Uh, and so I, I don't think that we're, well, I think we're just at the very beginning of these companies understanding that there isn't only one side that can get mad at them. See, up until this point, all they know in these boardrooms is that the left will get mad if we're not properly reverent, if we don't bend the knee to whatever their thing is, whether it's BLM or Antifa or, you know, Pride or whatever. And it, it, it has not, it has literally not occurred to them that there is another side, there is another viewpoint, and a multitude of people with that viewpoint who could also get mad at them and stop buying their products. And I think there's a lot more of us. So our anger, when expressed economically, is way worse. I mean, think about this. How many people like Dylan Mulvaney could Bud Light afford to lose? Probably all of them. But they can't afford to lose the people that took offense. By the way, I have a question about the word pride, and I, I don't want to, I'm not picking on anybody. I, um, I, let me say at the outset, I, I have gay friends, I have gay family members, nothing against anybody, live the way you want to live. I do not accept, and by the way, most of them do not accept, that gay people are oppressed in the United States or that government is coming for them or that government is coming for their relationships 
or that they are not welcome in public places or that they can't go to school. or They don't believe that. You and I know that's not true. So there's this kind of superheated mythology, right, that it's, it's you know, crystal knock for, uh, for gay people. It's not. But I'm a little confused about pride. Because, and, and here's, here's the analogy I want to draw. When we have Black History Month, we tell the stories of outstanding, high-achieving, pioneering black men and women. We are reminded of their contributions to all of society. We are reminded that they first had to overcome prejudices or uh, disadvantages because of their skin color, but then the people we honor went way beyond that. They became preeminent in their field. They became preeminent in their sport. They became preeminent in, in our society. And they are people we can all be proud of. When you talk about a pride parade, those are not people that look like most gay Americans. They're not acting like the gay people you live with, work with, go to school with, have in your neighborhood. Our experiences with gay people are that they are... They care about their families, they care about their job, they try to be good people, they try to contribute to the community they live in, they try to be good neighbors, just like we do. But when I look at these pride events, it's sort of a bacchanalia, it's sort of like a, you know, Circus Maximus. How is that supposed to make someone proud? If anything, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, so you have on the one hand, when we when we when we say we're going to honor Black Americans, or or lately there's been, uh, I think it was the month where it was Asian and Pacific Islanders, AAPI. I may have the acronym wrong. With every other group in the culture, we find exemplary individuals, and we go, here are some of the greatest people from this ethnicity or this group or this background or this persuasion. Except with gay pride, then then you have this sort of, um, I mean, literally and figuratively, parade. I don't get it. Just a thought. Just wanted to throw that out there. Maybe somebody has an answer. 210-599-5555. Here's Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, uh, blasting Target for selling out by backing down on their uh, displays of uh, LGBTQ and uh, gender-fluid clothing and coffee mugs and swimsuits. Uh, Newsom uh, excoriating the CEO of Target, Brian Cornell, calling him a real profile in courage, furious with Cornell's directive to Target stores to remove or reduce the visibility of those LGBT-themed products. And then uh, the governor of California going on to say, Uh, There will be a systemic attack on LGBTQ people nationwide. Now, what does he know that the rest of us don't know? What does that mean? I mean, it sounds like a bunch of bull, right? But, But 
Will anyone go to him and say, hey, where did you get that? Did the, did the FBI tell you that? Or do you have some intel that says that? Or, or are you just a politician who, in his frustration and rage, decided to uh, pander a little bit? And by the way, why is it that because the displays were taken down or demoted in visibility, uh, that's a sellout? I thought the stores could display whatever they wanted to display wherever they wanted to display it. I didn't know that the governor of a state had input on that. Of course, he doesn't. Well, maybe they think they still do, because remember during COVID, people like Newsom were making all kinds of rules for stores. Remember the states where you could only go into certain parts of a store and you could only buy certain products from a store? The store could be open. But they, they would rope off aisles. You weren't allowed to buy this. You weren't allowed to get that. I mean, they, they got drunk on micromanaging business. I, I don't think they will ever get over that. I don't think they will ever lose the taste in their mouth of that power. Even though, as uh, Neil Gorsuch recently observed, they, they never had that power and should not have exercised and wielded it. But more importantly, the conditions under which they claimed it are over. But you can see that people like Newsom have never lost their their yen, their urge to micromanage the affairs of of, of private enterprise. And it's a cautionary tale because he's only the governor of California right now. But imagine him with real power and thinking that he knows better how a business should be run. Of course, he's not the only one, right? A lot of those politicians that do. Speaking of our previous uh, topic about pride and what have you, uh, somebody sent me this. I, I remember this episode of Seinfeld. Take a listen. They've got an article about you. Although they maintain separate residences, the comedian and his longtime companion seem to be inseparable. Oh, that's going to be in every paper. I've been outed. I wasn't even in. <laughs> Everyone's going to think we're gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. (sighs) I thought we were friends. (laughs) There we go. I mean, how could you two keep this a secret from me? It's not true. Ah, Enough lying. The line is through. Come on, Jerry, the masquerade is over. You're thin, late 30s, single. So are you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Not that there's anything wrong with that became that catchphrase, right? Uh, 210-599-5555. I want to play this for you from The View yesterday, um, or this morning, I should. Uh, yeah, it was yesterday morning, excuse me. Yesterday morning, uh, the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, who I think is going to run for president, uh, got on The View, and they put him on because it, to, to many people on the left, Chris Sununu is a, is a Republican who's reasonable. But I want you to hear what happens to him when he debates guns and gun control with the ladies of The View, and we'll kind of roll in and out of this, and then I want to get your reaction to it. So here's the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu. Take a listen. 
And as governor, um, you've loosened gun laws in your state, and you hold an A rating from the, for the NRA. You told a friend of our show, Jen Psaki, recently, there's no law you're going to pass that's going to stop mass shootings. There's no law you're going to pass that's just going to magically stop gun violence. However, there was a law that was passed, and that law was passed in 1997. It was a federal assault weapons ban, and it cut it, but 1994, rather, and it cut... Um, gun violence by 70%. And the mass minute shooting. it was reinstated, mass yeah. shoot mass shootings. And the minute mm. it was reinstated... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Notice how she tried to substitute... It, it, it cut gun violence. What's gun violence? I mean, gun violence is everything with a gun. Gun violence is I rob a bank and I've got a gun. Gun violence is I, I jack a car with a gun. Gun violence is I, I shoot my mate or a friend or I, I, I conduct a robbery and I shoot somebody with... Gun violence is drive-bys and gang crimes and all of it. She has to con- correct, oh, no, no, it was a reduction in mass shootings. Very different, much more limited statistic. So she's already kind of sliding into the wall with her statistics. Uh, take a listen to this. The minute it was reinstated, they went up. Why not put that law back in No, place? no, no. So like, like, understand... We did not have the mass shootings in the early 90s that we have today. It is exponentially worse, right? right? Yeah. So if your argument, look, if the argument is if we just have more gun bans and more gun laws, Chicago would be the safest place in the country. But the problem is they have the most restricted laws. But the problem with that argument is that the the guns that are used in Chicago are coming from states that have looser gun laws. Hold on, hold on. So now, okay, the problem with Chicago is that we're all sending our guns to Chicago. Do, do, do you hear how insane that is? So gun laws are great. He says, well, Chicago has them, and look at all the crime. Well, it's because guns are coming in from other places. Well, then how are gun laws great? How are they great if you're telling me that the gun doesn't have to be from the jurisdiction that has the law? And by the way, you could do it on the basis of a state or even an entire country. But they're pretty much admitting with that statement that Guns and people willing to use them in commission of a crime are not held back or restrained by your laws. All right, continue. The law, the guns that are used in Chicago are coming from states that have looser okay. gun laws. So look, so how dare they? How dare they? So if your argument is we should pass, stop sending your guns to Chicago. I remind you, the Democrats had the House. The Senate and the presidency for two years. They did nothing. They made a mistake. Guys, they did nothing. Well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. They made a mistake. They made a mistake. They have talked incessantly about gun control for for thirty years. Or maybe more. Maybe you go back to to even like the the seventies and eighties. I remember it as a kid hearing about it, but but definitely starting with Bill Clinton's presidency, it became a top tier democratic talking point. Then when they had control of the presidency and the Congress, and it was more than two years, it was two years recently, they didn't do it. Oh, we made a mistake. We forgot the thing we've been talking about for 30 years. We made a mistake, says Sonny Hostin. All right, continue. Should pass, we should ban something federally? I remind yeah. you, the Democrats had the House the Senate, and the presidency for two years. They did nothing. They made a mistake. Guys, they did nothing. That was Because a they know, guys, at the, I, I have the safest state in the country. 
You can talk about the, the validity, the merits of a law are based on the results it gets. I have the, the safest state in the country, so why are we having the mass shootings? It's not because people have access to guns. It's because we're not dealing with mental health. We don't provide access for mental health with kids. When people are in crisis, they have nowhere to turn. They resort to violence. We don't do the right things in terms of locking down our schools and protecting. What's wrong the with getting, the issues why, why, is, why are you holding on to this one gun? Yeah. What is it about this one gun? They killed a bunch no. of children who were just going to school. That if, God. If, if that, if you say, well, we're just going to ban, if, again, if it was that easy, the Democrats would have done it. They didn't do it Listen, because they know it's not. Well, that's what not, about the Democrats the right now? What yeah. are you going to do? No, I'm not banning any guns. I'm going to provide okay. access to mental health. We're going to get at the core of the okay. issue, which that's, is what spurs a lot of the violence. There's crazy people all over the world. Stop. The audience starts to boo, and Whoopi says they can't do that. Listen to this. No, 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 no booing. No Republican will ever come back here if you're going to You know, you know, we, we need to talk to people to find out what they're thinking and are they thinking in the right way. He's when not going to be did, perfect. When did the, the view start worrying about getting Republican guests? I, that's a new one on me. I, didn't, I was not aware that they uh, conducted the show with concern and care. No, look, I, I want to know what you think. I, I've got a couple of thoughts. I don't want to say it yet, though, because I want to hear if you heard what I heard in the exchange between the uh, panelists and Governor Sununu. Um, do, do you like what he said? Do you like the way he said it? Uh, do you like the way he handled it? the week back in 1979 that this album by Supertramp went to number one on the Billboard charts and uh, they've been around for quite a while British band by far the biggest success they had ever had and an incredible album called Breakfast in America four million sold in this country 26 million sold around the world four big hit records off the album uh, including uh, this song take the long way home uh, the Logical Song, Goodbye Stranger, and Breakfast in America. One of the greatest album covers, I think, ever. Um, if you remember it, it was um, a woman dressed as a waitress, like a diner waitress, and she's posed like the Statue of Liberty, holding up a glass of orange juice like the torch. And then uh, behind her is uh, the New York skyline, but it's all made with, like, breakfast utensils. And it's just a, it's a, it's a great concept the album the and of course they had they had incredible success with it and uh, it put them on the map for all times we'll uh, we'll hear more from that uh, album later in the show but super tramp number one this week in 1979 all right so you heard governor chris sununu of new hampshire on the view and he's arguing with sonny hostin primarily about uh the the what to do about guns and he's saying, um, you know, they start out with the premise, well, you're, you're, you're a darling of the NRA, and you have very loose gun laws. And his pushback is, well, look, gun laws don't work, and uh, look at the places that have them and how violent those places are, and why didn't Democrats do the things they are calling for when they had the unchecked uh, power to do them? And he says, 
they didn't do them because they know that the gun laws won't work. Well, that isn't, that's actually incorrect. Um, because Democrats have enacted a lot of gun laws. And if Democrats were in any way inhibited by data or by past experience of them not working, we would see that and we don't. My problem with this is he never gets around to saying Second Amendment. It sounds to me like Chris Sununu would sign a gun law tomorrow if he could come up with one that would work. Whatever work means. It also, it's interesting to me that his defense of, uh, or his, his counterattack, rather, against the Democrats is, well, why don't you guys do it? Governor, they're trying to do it. They're pushing for it. Yes, it is true that they didn't do it when they had the power to do it. And that's because, as with a lot of issues, and with both political parties, very often there's more political value in perpetuating a problem or not solving it. Not com- in other words, you don't, if you're a politician, you don't want to complete your promise because keeping it as an active, open controversy and debate is how you get voters to come out and vote. It's how you raise more money and get more contributors. So as with a lot of things, as with Republicans on a lot of things and as with Democrats on a lot of things, uh, they would prefer to keep a lot of these things in limbo. But I, I just thought his answer was very weak. And this is a guy that the left sees as reasonable in the Republican Party. And I have nothing against Chris Sununu. I've met him. He's a, he's a very nice guy. He's, he's great for New Hampshire. They love him in New Hampshire. you got to understand there's different flavors of Republican around the country. You know that. But, um, so this isn't me attacking him. But, boy, I just thought that was a paltry uh, comeback. And if that was the best defense of legal, law-abiding gun ownership, we would be in big trouble. Jesse is on the radio on KTSA. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Don, sir. And thank you for being there, because I know you're, you, you, you don't cut people off. I appreciate that. But what's happened, what's happening with so many people, they're in Congress, I mean, Republicans, I wish I could talk to them directly. Myself, I'm just, my name is Chewy also. But here's what things that they are missing, okay? Two things. The first thing, facts to throw in their face. Back in the 1980s, there were two lawyers hell-bent on keeping people out of mental hospitals. And it succeeded. Ever since, we've been having this problem. That's one mm-hmm. thing. The, mm-hmm. the second thing is that they feel to throw, throw it in their face. Who, who has one of the worst or strongest gun laws of any? Russia. But what happened in Russia? Okay. Was it, I think, of 1990, where 13 terrorists mm-hmm. went in to a school right. and shot up 156 children. Right. And they have right. strictly gun laws. They ought to throw that right. in their face. Say, what right. do you think about that? That's yeah. what they, they, don't, they don't check their phone facts to throw it back in their face. Yeah, those are those are both those are both both good points, Jesse. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you're right about those. Uh, Chris, with a quick take on this on KTSA. Hi, Chris. Hey, I got a question. Everything that Democrats always talk about is getting rid of, you know, gun laws and changing this and changing that. The Democrats are always been the one that is, is the evil one. Uh, everything that they've touched or done always turns to crap. 
So how come we can't get rid of the Democrats? Because they actually sit there with the match and they burn stuff down. They want to know why it's burning, but yet they still like they don't want to do nothing about it. You know, all I've ever seen, they take the statues down. They, they try to change stuff. They want to take the Constitution away from us or the people that own the Second Amendment. But yet, in turn, all they want to do is tear, tear things down and separate everybody. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and they want to know why everybody's fighting. Okay. New study says that elephants enjoy the presence of zoo visitors. How do they know that? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Um, did the elephants take a survey? Like, Well, did the elephants they, talk phones, to them? <laughs> their phones rang. It said scam likely. They answered it anyway. They took the survey. <laughs> um, team from uh, Nottingham Trent University investigating um, previous research projects. So it was a study of studies. Uh, they looked at uh, more than 250 species in zoos. They found that certain animals uh, seem to enjoy the presence of visitors. And the way they measured that, and I don't think I understand this, is that they looked at repetitive behaviors of animals. And when, in, and when animals uh, increase uh, their repetitive behaviors, it indicates boredom. So when they decrease their repetitive behaviors, they're assuming that means, I guess, enjoyment or excitement okay i would never do a news story on that data totally you can probably tell that better than i just did but it still doesn't make any sense no not at all um i i I don't know i mean i i feel i always feel sort of sorry for the animals in the zoo i know i i know i know i know there's a whole argument about they've been rescued and it's good for people to see animals but i just they they look so bored you know well if you were in a prison wouldn't you like visitors it would depend, really, to be honest. Oh. Could I, <laughs> it could I choose depends on them? who it is. Well, like, I don't have to see somebody. If I'm in prison, I don't have to see somebody I don't want to see, right? Well, let's assume. Okay, yeah. So maybe yeah. the animals should get to decide who, you know, who comes to the zoo. That should be the next study. What visitors do elephants yeah. like? Let me what see the, the results. Really of, like? yeah. yeah. Do they wave their trunk one way or the other? It's just they, I it, think they're very happy when yeah. I show up. I don't know when they're about uh, these other people. <laughs> right. Well, all right. Thank you, Christian. Uh, the dish coming up next hour. We'll talk restaurants. We'll praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Hey, I want to ask you about something that people have been saying a lot lately. And, and, and if you feel this way, um, I want to get a little clarification on this. When we were talking about uh, presidential candidates, a number of callers in, in, in over days and weeks have said, I really want non-politicians. I want people who are not politicians. And that was the big appeal of, of Donald Trump. He's not a politician. What makes you a politician? Like, when does a person go from being a person to being a politician person? Because, for example, if... Holding political office makes you a politician, then isn't Trump now a politician? And what I was thinking about was I saw today, there's a guy named Doug Bergram, who most people will have never heard of. Doug Bergram is running for president. He's the governor of North Dakota. That's why we've not heard of him. But he's also a billionaire uh, tech uh, innovator and executive. And so he built this multi-billion dollar uh, company, I don't remember the name of it, headquartered it in Fargo, brought a lot of tech jobs and and ancillary companies uh, to North Dakota, 
They're having a big renaissance of technology in North Dakota. He then parlayed that into running for two terms as governor. Very popular. He's a Republican. And now it looks like he's going to run for president. But I look at that biography, and again, I just I just read about him. I, I had never heard of him until a day or a, a day ago. But I look at that biography, and I go, no, that's that guy's not a politician. That guy's a businessman who served as governor of his state. Donald Trump's not a politician. He's a guy that stepped away from his wealth because he believed he could do something for the country. Vivek Ramaswamy is a businessman. But if he then holds office, does he lose the the appreciation we have or the admiration we have or the value we place on a person for having built a business, been in business, signed the front of paychecks? Because I think we have to be clear about what we want here. And somebody even said, well, the founding fathers were not politicians. Well, before we had a country, obviously none of them had held office. But um, you could say General George Washington was a real insider. He was the elite of his time. Or look at John Adams or Thomas Jefferson or James Madison or... James Monroe. These are all founders who became president, but they also held other positions before they became president. Like Jefferson was Secretary of State, and then Vice President, and then President. Did that make him a politician or somebody above politics? So what do we what do we mean when we say we want non-politicians? What do you mean by that? 210-599-5555. I'm just, I'm, I'm not... This isn't me trying to debate you or trap you. I'm, I'm just curious to know. Here's what I don't like. For me, personally, and, and maybe this is your definition and maybe it's not. What I don't have a, a real use for are people who go right from, like, college into politics, ambitiously climb the ladder, brown nose their way up through the ranks, and then... One day they want to be the president or they want to hold high office, but they've never done anything but politics. And, you know, you think of, like, the Castros. This is, this is it. This is all they want. This is all they've ever done. This is it. It's very limiting. You can tell me they got good grades in school and all that stuff, but I, I, I'm looking for people. I don't care if they've held other political jobs. I don't care if they've spent some time in in public service but i need to know that they know how the outside world works i need to see that they have lived under the rules that they're making for the rest of us so whether it's vivek ramaswamy or doug bergram or donald trump or you know i want to see that people have have done done it on our end of 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 the scale you know they've lived in our end of the of the scale and now they want to enter public life i don't think we can strictly say well if they ever win an election and get a title now they're off limits now they now they're a politician we cannot consider supporting them voting for them etc cetera, etc cetera. I, I think that's a little too to me that's a little too restrictive
by that definition, you'd have to say that we can only elect people that have never held office and have never done anything. And and that's nice if you can find them, but that to me is too restrictive. Uh, 210-599-5555. Michael is on the radio. We're going to get a definition from Michael. So how do you, how do you define that or how do you see that, Michael? I think if you make a career out of being in, in politics and if you acquire your wealth by just being in politics, mm. then I consider mm-hmm. you a politician. Yeah. That's a good that's a good definition. Uh but if you can show me, hey, I, I, I made it in the outside world, the the private sector, and now I would like to, you know, get something done or I think I can help. I, I think that should be welcomed. Yes, sir. I believe because I believe if you're at that point, then you've kind of proven that you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the good of whatever you believe in. For the people. And if anything, at that point, not that this should be what matters, but at that point, you're showing that um, you're actually willing to sacrifice some money or income or comfort, right? Absolutely. And time. Yeah. Because there's too many of these people that they, they go into politics with nothing, and they come out multimillionaires. And you do the math on what they were earning, it doesn't work. No, sir. Yeah. Michael, great definition. I appreciate that. Do you agree with Michael's definition? 210-599-5555. Show that you have made it without a political title as opposed to you made it all through your political title. Has anybody used, I keep seeing the ads for it, um, has anybody used that liquor advertising app? It's, I think it's called Drizzly. Is that right? Is that what it's called? It's basically uh, DoorDash for alcohol. So with Drizzly, you can um, have, you know, a bottle of vodka or you know, whatever it is, you, you if you don't want to go get it, um, they'll bring it to you. And the way they advertise it is you're having a party and you didn't plan, I guess you didn't get enough, you know, lay in stock enough booze, or 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 you didn't realize what problem drinkers your family and friends are, right? <laughs> These people, my God, what have they been in the desert? And so to save you, the host, from an embarrassing drought of alcohol, you can get on your app and the drizzly guy will show up with whatever you need. Now, that's how they market it. That's the, that's the marketing of it. I wonder what the percentage of people are who are by it or who are home alone. They're <laughs> just, I mean, you know, just need another bottle. Just, Ran dry, need another bottle. A friend of mine was saying that uh, he'd be embarrassed to to use Drizzly if he was home alone. I said, well, then just put on, like, some music and, you know, turn all the lamps in the living room on and put on some loud music, and it, people will think you're having a party. And it won't look like it's just you. But has anybody used it? I've never used it. And I'm just curious how it works and if it works. 210-599-5555, Drizzly. Not sure why they came up with that. Uh, this was from uh, Dallas. Dallas Independent School District launching a new pilot program with a tech company to use AI to extensively monitor 
students individually. So this isn't like we've got cameras in the hallway or we're monitoring, you know, to make sure everybody's in class and monitoring the doors and windows and stuff like that. This is to monitor each student individually and raise a warning if a student deviates from his or her baseline behavior. The initiative will use this company called DaVista's platform, DaVista, DaVista, a breakthrough technology that empowers organizations to identify risk and take action before the projected risk becomes a consequential event or innocence. Kind of sounds like that, that movie, right? Student safety and support platform enables analysis and review of student, student data through software and real-time analysis of any deviations from their personal baseline. What, what does that mean? By the way, when you're a kid, do you even have a baseline? I mean, isn't that the time of your life when you're still sort of forming your baseline? I mean, somebody as old as me, probably, I probably, without knowing it, move and act and have gestures that are very, very set in stone. And I I suppose if I was in a public place and I was monitored every day, it would be readily apparent if I was acting differently than I normally act. I'm not saying I like this idea, but I'm just saying it might work with people that are very settled. Isn't growing up, even the, I mean, the, the definition of growing up is that you are growing. You're growing out of one skin into another. And then also, should there be any expectation of privacy? Like, like is this, I know we're all interested in schools being safe, and I talk about it a lot, and we talk about it on this show, and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind about the things that make schools safer and harder targets for would-be shooters. But I, I, I don't know that this even does that, whilst at the same time, this would seem to be a real invasion of privacy. If a kid is acting differently, maybe that's just adolescence or awkwardness or a new phase. or I'm, I'm not sure every one of those gestures or changes is, oh, warning, you know. Be interesting to see how parents react to this as they learn about it. Um, This is the Dallas Independent School District using AI to monitor the behavior of individual students. Now, are they monitoring every single student? They'd have to, right? Because if they started saying, well, we're going to Pick out the ones we think we have to watch the most. Look out. (laughs) Hello, lawsuit. Here's a story out of Chicago. Parents voicing their outrage over public schools enrolling um, illegal immigrant children without health documentation. Now, it's a big big deal, especially in the vax debate. Should kids have to be vaxxed to go to school? And obviously you've heard the pro and con arguments about that. Don't you kind of throw that out the window if you enroll students who have no documented health history? So you're requiring vaccination records. And you remember how it is when you got your kid into school. I mean, this was like, this was 
an absolute. You had to have the documents. You had to have the records. You had to fill out the form. No exception. And now we're enrolling illegal immigrants without such documents. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on them, but you can see where that would frustrate and infuriate parents who have jumped through every hoop. And um, this is in Chicago. Not a, you know, not some sort of xenophobic bastion. <laughs> these, are, these are people that are saying, look, we, we can be compassionate, but let's not be foolish. It's almost like people that lived in and voted for sanctuary cities are actually finding out what that meant. It must have just sounded good. I mean, I, I'm not saying every one of these parents voted for every one of these politicians, but it's safe to say that there are people in sanctuary cities like Chicago and New York who are absolutely railing against the very things that define being a sanctuary city. And you just would like to ask them, did you not know that that's what it meant? More likely, I, I've said this before, more likely they knew what it meant, they just didn't actually think they'd have to do it. Like, we can say this, and it feels good to say it, but they'll never come this far. They'll never get up here. And now that's happening. But there's a pretty big inconsistency. I mean, we just came through the whole thing with, the, you know, the coronavirus we just came through, and we've been for years going through debates about other vaccinations and whether it's efficacious to have kids vaccinated, whether every child needs to be, whether herd immunity is enough, whether it's constitutional to uh, require it as a condition of attending public school, all of this stuff. And you have people, of course, that are very militant against vaccines themselves, and they have their own you know, data to back that up, and they're fervent in their beliefs. You may disagree with them, but they certainly believe what they believe. Um, and then you just throw into the middle of all this like a grenade with the pin pulled. Well, here's a bunch of kids. You've got to have them in your school. You, you have to take them. You're going to have to find space. We don't care what your enrollment is. We don't care what your classroom limits are. Oh, and by the way, we don't have any health records or paperwork on them including the COVID stuff, but, but, but everything else as well. We, we don't have it. You don't need it. You've waited all week. You've been waiting. Monday, you got through it Tuesday, you got through it Wednesday, you started to smell it Thursday, you were right on top of it, and now it's here! It's Friday! It's time to rock and roll! Break out the speakers! Blow your cars and get up! Get home, get to your stuff, and get ready to rock because it's Friday! Whoa! He speaks for all of us. San Antonio's News Talk Station 550 and 1071 KTSA. I actually got a number of emails about Drizzly. So I was just curious. I, I probably would never use it because I'm I'm not really a drinker, but um I was just curious how how you know what's the experience? It's the home delivery of alcohol app. And most people are saying they don't like it. 
Uh, one guy wrote to me and said that he had, and I didn't think of this, but I guess this would be another way you could use it. He had he had used it to, um, he wanted to send, a, I guess, a customer, a good customer of his of his business. He wanted to send the guy a nice, like, high-end uh, bottle of scotch. Said it was a very expensive, very exclusive, um, and that was going to be like his thank you gift. And it never showed up, and he had a hell of a time tracking down what happened and trying to get a refund, and they were not very helpful uh, with him. They basically told him he'd have to work with his bank on that. And a couple of people wrote to me and said, yeah, I ordered stuff, and it wasn't the right stuff. Or So I don't know. It doesn't, hmm. yeah, the, the thing about all of these apps that you work with, and I've never used Drizzly, but, but any of these other apps that we've talked about or that you hear about, the... the um, the ad always sounds great, but then there's the problem of is there any like is there somebody to talk to or troubleshoot if you have a problem? There's like no there there. It's not like the old days where you'd call the company and get the you know <laughs> like to talk to the consumer relations person or the customer service person. There 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 is none of that. They have none of that. See, I had a thought about this. Yeah, because I was thinking if I had ordered through this drizzly company Drizzly. you know yeah. is that if that's what it, what it's called i i just hope that the person delivering my booze is not a recovering alcoholic oh yeah i would think they would <laughs> yeah that would be a good that would be a good job <laughs> for you to have um but i mean you could say that about food delivery too like you'd hope the person's not hungry right <laughs> well i've heard stories i've heard stories about I, that I, I have too and i won't name the name but i was talking to a restaurant owner and you would know who he is and he was telling me, this is when this when the 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 whole phenomenon of of delivery really was taking off several years ago. He said they had to buy, and this is a this is a thing that is available to restaurants. They had to buy these special bags that when the restaurant seals them, you can tell if the seal has been tampered with, because. Sometimes, and I don't want to disparage, you know, a lot of there's a lot of hardworking people that deliver food, but sometimes the delivery driver would like eat a few fries. Or, <laughs> I mean, that's just not that's nasty, you know. I mean, I'm all for sharing, but I don't want your fingers in the fries, you know, or whatever it is. So, you know, maybe help themselves to a, you know, fried S- mushroom or slice of pizza. You know, well, I mean, you'd notice that. I mean, if there was a piece of pizza missing. Be hard to rearrange the remaining slices to conceal that, but with the fries, you know, you don't know. So they have these bags that, uh, once it's sealed, and it's just hilarious to me that you'd have to do that with food. I mean, it sounds like you're transporting currency. You know, what do we have? Like bricks of of thousand dollar bills or something? No, it's just it's just a burger and fries. But we got to put it in this bag that you know seals it up so that you can tell if it's been uh, tampered with. That's I guess that's capitalism. You know, we. You have an opportunity, then you have a problem, then you innovate a solution, and so it goes. But yet, people, my email is not too high on Drizzly, so I don't know about that. And 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 I guess I guess again with all of these sort of newfangled um, enterprises, if they work, they're great. If they don't, you're really in the wild west because there's no back end to a lot of these businesses. I'm sure you've had this experience, right? Like you, first of all, it's very hard to find an actual phone number for a lot of businesses. You discover they really don't want you to call. They 
please just deal with this on our website, right? And then if you find a phone number, good luck talking to a real person. Then you get kind of an automated menu, and the automated menu basically in so many words after you've pushed a few digits and you've chosen English and what have you, it's basically saying, you know, we would rather help you on our website. And you're like, no, I need to talk to somebody. And, uh, and then when you, you know, when you finally get through to a real person, if you do, you might be able to resolve the issue. But um, that is our new economy, right? There's, a company used to be a bunch of people. Now a company can just be an idea and some technology. I got to play this for you because uh, my heart goes out to this guy. I've, n- I've never heard of him. I don't know. I don't know who he is. But this was on ESPN. He was calling uh, SEC baseball, a game between Vanderbilt and Auburn. Uh, so he's on uh, the SEC network, and it's it's a late game, and I guess maybe you know he's tired. And his name, this, this announcer's name is Tom Hart. And uh, I think Tom Hart's entire career flashed before his eyes. Take a listen to this. Cut number eight. We can't turn the black cock black. Uh, we can't turn the Ooh. clock back. I know it's after midnight. We can't turn the clock back and turn it back into the mid-80s and put on a Whitey Herzog team. Hmm. Can't turn the black cock back. Mm. We can't turn the black cock black. uh, We can't turn the clock back. You know, Don and I were talking about this off the air um, because it was just this week, I think. It was earlier this week that we had the Oakland A's, the story about the Oakland A's guy and what he said. Yes. Was that this week? This week. Now, is it possible that the more... um, attention and controversy and sensitivity is being paid to certain words, is it possible that's actually causing people to accidentally blurt them out? Because the more you hear it, the more you're thinking it. Is it could that be what's going on here? Well, earlier Don agreed with me that that might be what was going on here. I, I, I think it I think it might be. I mean, unless you believe that these are just racist announcers and they've kept it undercover for a long time and then all of a sudden they've decided now in 2023 to let their freak flag fly and just let it all I'm going to just I, I would think and I'm in the business of, of talking for a living, so I, I think I can say this. If you keep dwelling on I'm not going to say X or I, I'm, I can't say X or whatever I do, don't let me say that. I think sometimes, and, and it's probably a trick of the wiring of the brain or something, I think that makes it more likely that you will say it. And I don't think there's a remedy for that because the, the cat's already out of the bag, if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if that's a term I'm, I'm allowed to say anymore. But anyway, see. Seems yeah. very cruel. Like, who put the cat in the bag? And why is there a cat in a bag? So, but, I mean, I just think maybe we're in a, in a time now where people that would never have said these things find themselves saying them because it's, it's sort of rattling around in their brain pan. Yeah, you when, know? when we were talking about this earlier, we were mentioning the fact that these 
poor sportscasters nowadays, subconsciously, you know that has to be in the back of their minds before mm-hmm. they even announce any type mm-hmm. of game, and they're right. thinking about that. And then the moment they begin, you know, doing the play-by-play, it, mm-hmm. something blurts out because I think subconsciously they're they're well. And the list about... of things you can't say keeps getting longer. And by can't, I know whenever I say that, people go, "Ah, you shouldn't say can't. You're you're free to say anything you want." The the list of things people are trying to avoid saying, okay, keeps getting longer. Well, it's just even the, in simple conversation with right. with someone. You know, you're you're a, afraid or, or aware of the fact that you might blurt out something that could be offensive to someone. I mean, you don't even know what pronouns to use any any mm. longer, and and right. you're always thinking about, uh, you know, what what your what words to use before you have just a simple mm. conversation. Mm. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I, I now realize this is probably how my career will end. I, I don't know when, but this now seems like the most likely, you know, <laughs> conclusion. That it will just one day, out of nowhere, and I'll never be able to explain where it came from or why, and it will be something I've never said before, and it will just, there it'll be. Uh, but I, I, I do wonder, because these guys are just, they're regular people. They're not They're not all closet crazies and you know they don't have a kkk robe hanging in the back of their closet or something but this stuff just comes out you you could you could almost hear the sweat pouring down when he was trying to oh, correct yeah. himself yeah. because you've yeah. you've kind of figured that you, is he going to be reprimanded after you know after he's done with yeah. his his yeah. uh, work shift <laughs> and um and i mean i don't i don't think anything happened to him i haven't heard any follow-up to this it was just a Tangled up tongue, twisted up tongue. The, the the Oakland A's guy, you know, they they let him twist for a couple of weeks, and then they cut him loose. And I, I never did hear, um, like, did he protest that, or do people fight this stuff anymore, or do they just think, uh, no, I want to get out of the news. I want, be, <laughs> I I don't want to contest it or or challenge it because then it will it will remain a news story, and people will people like this show will hash over it, and so maybe people are just saying, I'll just take, you know, take the L, as we say in sports. This man was born on this day in 1926. Alton, Illinois, Miles Davis, trumpet player, band leader, composer, one of the greatest, not only in the history of American jazz, but in the history of American music. And this is on Green Dolphin Street, Miles Davis. So... I want to play this for you. This was a uh, little snippet of a conversation between Bill Maher uh, and Elon Musk. It, it kind of relates to we're in the graduation season. I've been talking about that in terms of my daughter and all the grads. Take a listen to this. Cut number one. The amount of indoctrination that, that's happening in schools and, and universities is, I think, far beyond what parents realize. Parents are just generally not aware of what their, their kids are being told. You know, who are the first few presidents of the United States? Uh, they they, they <clears throat> named Washington. Uh, but and I said, well, what do you know about him? Well, he was a slave owner. 
what else? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing. Slavery is obviously a, a horrific institution, but we should still know more about George Washington than and, that. And by the way, one that was practiced all over the world yes, yes. forever <laughs> since the beginning of time by every race, yes. including people of color. I'm sorry yes. to tell you that. I feel like I'm walking on sure. a roof with a blindfold. I could fall off any time. Yeah. That was the most innocuous thing, but it's like, you know, I said George Washington was a great president. Oh, how yeah. dare you? So we're going to watch our children, grandchildren, walk stages, accept diplomas, high school, college, graduate degrees, outstanding achievement, honors, magna cum laude. And what it means is they repeated, they, if you will pardon the word, regurgitated to their teachers what their teachers taught in the classroom. So a good grade is simply a measure of that regurgitation. The question is, what are they, what are they being taught? So if your child has an A, your child has learned and learned very well and delivered proof of that learning. But what did they learn? What are they being taught is really our big question. I, I, I realize as my daughter graduates, if we just worry about their grades, if we just worry that they got their homework done, did you finish your assignment? Is it in your backpack? Okay, let's go. That's not even half the battle. It's what they're learning. And if I could just point to one thing that I learned over the time that I, you know, Gabby was coming through all the grades and she's going to graduate this weekend, uh, I, I, really went into parenting with the idea that my job was to ride herd on the schooling. But as time went on, I felt more and more like you've got to augment it. You've got to modify it. You've got to fill in the, the, the gaps, the cracks, so that they don't think George Washington was just a slave owner. Period. Congratulations to all the grads, and it's a, it's a wonderful time. And I, I wrote an open letter uh, to Gabby. It's actually, what, what I did was I wrote, I, you know, when I wrote her graduation card, I put a short note in it because I don't want to be too wordy, you know. But then I thought I got more to say. So I wrote an open letter that you can read at ktsa.com. And uh, feel free to check that out. And, and if that helps you with what you need to write or say to your grad, feel free to Borrow it, use it, cut and paste part of it, anything. Let me know what you think. Uh, but it's there at KTSA.com. Um, and uh, we'll be wishing the very best to everybody at all levels who's graduating uh, this weekend and the days ahead. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a bite. Beans, not cornbread. Conrad said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. All right. I'm putting in my drizzly order and I'm ready for the weekend. <laughs> and by I, I mean this house full of people that will uh, all be imbibing. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to talk restaurants on this hour of the show. We do this every Friday night as the last hour of the last show of the week. Who knows? could be the last show if I say the wrong thing. But anyway, last hour of the week, we call it the dish, 
And it's not restaurant reviews. We don't have a restaurant reviewer. This is just people talking about where they went out to eat or where they got something to eat. The way you would recommend a place to a family member, a friend, a coworker. You, you, you went to a new restaurant. You tried a restaurant that's new to you. Maybe you went someplace for a special occasion, so you kind of stepped it up or splurged. Maybe you just want to sing the praises of a place you go to regularly and you love, and you want to let everybody know how great it is. You can uh, talk about any restaurant anywhere in and around San Antonio and South Texas. You can talk about the food, the prices, the service, uh, the atmosphere. Uh, When you call the dish, 210-599-5555, you can praise or zing. No, 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 no. So you can praise or no, 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 no. Uh, Praise or zing, any restaurant, we we want you to name names. You know, I think there's people that are like, oh, I don't want to say anything bad about a restaurant. Hey, if if it needs to be zinged, it needs to be zinged, right? And if you want to sing the praises and say, hey, not only should you go to this place, but make sure you get this bartender or you get this server or whatever, have this person cook your food, 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. We're going to take those calls, along with any remaining uh, leftover last-minute votes in the JR poll. We'll have the results on that later in the hour. Uh, a little rock and roll history to take care of later in the hour. But right now, your calls on the dish. Oh, really, only one rule. I, I would just say, when you call, make sure you have the complete, correct name of the restaurant you're calling about. So that's that way, if people get excited and interested in it, they can... They can find it. I think we had a story this week about a guy who shot his roommate over um, over Hot Pockets. Do you remember that story? I, I, I don't remember the details. I don't have it in front of me, but it was like they, they were down to their last Hot Pocket. This doesn't sound like a robust roommate relationship to begin with. You know what I'm saying? Like Hot Pockets? You had a falling out over Hot Pockets? Anyway. Whatever the dispute was, he shot the other guy in the behind about Hot Pockets. I mean, the jokes make themselves. I'm not a food snob. I mean, if you looked in my freezer, I think there might be, uh, you know, like bagel bites and undoubtedly some tater tots. But I don't know. Hot Pockets? What are you, 16? Did you run out of Clearasil, too, or what? I mean, come on. These were grown men. This guy was, like, in his 50s or 60s, the, the, the guy that did the shooting. I don't know how old a roommate was. He's the guy over there that can't sit down. 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Speaking of Hot Pockets, there's a story in the news tonight about Skittles. No, it's not a recall. Don't worry. California is about to enact a law that would ban... Chemicals found in a number of uh, foods, including Skittles, chemicals that have been linked to health issues. Assembly Bill 418 would prohibit the manufacture, sale, or distribution of products containing red dye number three, titanium oxide, potassium bromate, brominated vegetable oil. I just ran out of that. Going to get some of that. And some other things, uh, chemicals that are already banned in some countries and now be banned in... California, and uh, it's going to affect a lot of uh, food and candy and snack manufacturers, including 
notably Skittles. It has been dubbed the Skittles Bill in California. So, The best way to understand California, I mean, technically it's one of our states, but California is really like part of the European Union located in North America. I think that's the way to, if you want to have like a handle on what, what, what is going on in California, it's, it's the EU in the U.S., then it will make sense. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish uh, on a Friday night. I, I, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about today on the show was that story. I, I know you heard it in the news. Um, a guy popped open the door of a, um, this happened in South Korea. I, I don't remember which airline it was. It might have been Korean Airlines or one of them. But this plane was coming in for a landing in South Korea. And this guy was in the emergency seat row, and um, he opened the door. The plane was several hundred feet off the ground because it was coming in for a landing. Even so, it created so much turbulence that 12 passengers had to be treated for injuries as a result of the vortex of air that went through the cabin. And... um, Probably, probably some underwear had to be changed too. They always ask when, whenever I'm on a plane. I'm usually not in the exit row, but you always hear the flight attendants ask, "Do you think you would be able to uh, to open the uh, emergency? What do you call it? emergency hatch, emergency door? Um, maybe that's the wrong question. You know, maybe they should ask these people sitting in the exit rows." Um, you know, some sort of maybe a, a battery of questions aimed at finding out if they're crazy. You know, like this this guy apparently won, was able to open <laughs> the emergency exit. So that was not an issue. He was certainly able to do it. By that, by that rule, he belonged in the exit row because you have to say yes. If you say no, they move you. But maybe we need to ask some different questions. That is crazy. You know, I mean... I've never opened one of those, but it seems like it probably is not. It's not like you bump it with your elbow and it and it opens up, right? Wow, everybody's okay. Hundred ninety four people on board. Plane was close to the ground when he popped open the door. I don't think he'll be getting his miles. What do you think? He's probably yeah. Not going to get double miles for that trip. A uh, lot of anniversaries. We were talking about Miles Davis. We were talking about the Supertramp album. You know what? You know what happened this week in 1986 was Hands Across America. You remember Hands Across America? And it was the whole uh, we're going to you know join hands and we're going to have this unity. And there was a lot of that in the 80s, right? There was there was Band Aid and there was Live Aid and there was Farm Aid and there was Hands Across America. Some of those things are still going, like Farm Aid. Um, but that was a that was a, a, a sort of a facet of life in the 1980s. You had you had these huge global shows of of unity and uh, even like if you think about like 80s music, right? It was like oh here's you know Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson and here's you know um, th- th- there was all this sort of there was there was I don't know if you'd call it a gimmick or just a feature, but there was this perceived value in basically hand-holding and uniting and joining. 
And we used to laugh about it. I mean, people used to say that was one of the goofy things about the 1980s. But I, I was thinking when I saw this in the uh, Daily Almanac today as one of the things that's, you know, on this day in history, I thought to myself, we're really, we're really not doing these things anymore, are we? So we might have, we might have kidded about, you know, um, Live Aid or Band-Aid or, you know, We Are the World. Remember that song? Maybe people laughed about them or, or did lampoons of them or whatever, but um, I guess at least we were capable of making the effort or making the gesture. That's something, right? And you wonder today, would people be able to do that? I mean, in this country today, there are people that won't talk to a, a sister or a brother because they voted for the other party. So I don't think you'd be holding hands with strangers, right? Not to mention germophobia and all the rest, but this is a different time, 40 years ago. This was the uh, music that uh, was recorded. See that man over there? He's my brother. Yeah. But wait, who did he vote for? Trump? Forget it. No. <laughs> Slap the hand away. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Blaming everything on him. Uh, but that was 1986. Uh, we're talking restaurants on the dish. Jack Riccardi here. You can jump in at 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing. Any restaurant anywhere in and around San Antonio and South Texas with a call to the dish. Uh, talk food, talk price, tell us what the best thing to get the first time we go might be if we're going for the first time, uh, what's good there. Or if you're zinging it, where did they kind of go off the rails? I thought that was nice. Uh, I was really happy to see this uh, in the Express News. They did a nice article about uh, Dwayne Price who is the uh, man behind Wayne's Wings. Have you ever had Wayne's Wings? Um, I'm not a big wing fan. Like that, That's not really a thing I crave. But I, I will tell you, a friend of mine a few years ago introduced me to Wayne's Wings, and in my experience, these are the best wings. I, I've never had any, any chicken wings any better anywhere. Uh, and they're, they're so good that if I ever was in the mood, whenever I am in the mood, this is what I would want. But he, uh, he's got an amazing story. He moved here from somewhere up in the East Coast, I guess about 15 years ago, and uh, the article is about um, the success of his business. He was, you know what he was? He was a DJ. And he would, but he was a party DJ, not a radio DJ. And he would, uh, he would often cook the foods that he liked uh, and bring them to parties. And things like chicken wings were his favorites. So he, he found that he had a knack for it, and he started the business. And um, he has made a mission of hiring people that uh, have done time, kind of giving them a, a new start. So he's got that going for him. And uh, just a lot of – just a, he, he's one of those people that just I, – I don't know him personally, but – he just sort of radiates positivity, and he's excited about what he's doing, and he's got a passion for it, and the food is amazing. And so I was glad to see him get recognition. And uh, Wayne's Wings, yeah, if you're ever 
having a wing craving or wings are your thing, you haven't tried Wayne's Wings, you should do it. 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants on the dish. Speaking of fame, I see where the Brady Bunch house is on the market. Uh, It's in North Hollywood, the house that is featured in the iconic TV sitcom. And if I remember correctly, they did a renovation of it on HGTV a few years ago. It had kind of fallen on hard times. It's a real house. People have lived in it. It's unusual in that a lot of times when a house is featured in a movie or a television show, it's, you know, it's sort of a stage piece or it's, they'll, they'll shoot like exterior of one house and interior of another house or things like that, you know, um, the, the Brady Bunch house is inside and out the house you see on the show. So anyway, it's on the market if you're interested. Uh, they're asking $5.5 million. And I don't know if that's a good, is that, is that like a good, is that a good price? Or I, you know, I guess it would depend on the, the marketplace and what, else, what the comparables are going for. Uh, but I guess you'd also have to decide how important would it be to you to be able to say this is the Brady Bunch house. This house is the house that was on the show. And, of course, that show has been off the air for a long time. It's on in reruns, but then you'd run into the whole generational thing. People under a certain age, no idea what you're talking about, right? And then I suppose you'd also have to worry about, like, would you want to live in a house where people were kind of looky-looing, you know, like you open the front door in your bathrobe to get the newspaper or to see what the weather is, and... Here's people doing selfies in front of your house, you know? So, of course, you could turn that to your advantage, I guess. You could you could call yourselves, uh, <laughs> you could change your name to Brady or start calling your wife Carol. I don't know. I, hey, I'm just throwing ideas out there. Here's the story. Okay. Now here, but here's the gimmick. Listen to this. Yeah. Three boys of his own. Yeah. And then. That was uh, that was like very very edgy, you know, at the time. It was a blended family. Yes, I remember as a kid thinking, I, I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it. <laughs> this could be that moment we just talked about, Don. I'm going to say it. We watched this Uh-oh. show, and and I liked it. I'm not putting it down. But I remember watching that show, and I used to think, I don't get along with my blood brothers and sister and you're telling me that these six kids all just clicked i mean come on man anyway it was a, it was a cute show yeah but then we heard all the stories afterwards right you know about right about right each one sleeping with one another and well Florence and, then, and, now, and now they're saying and now they're saying that really wasn't true that those stories were 
uh, mostly made up or distorted or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Um, the best thing to do when you find a TV show you like is just, just not think about it too much. Just just enjoy it on the surface and don't don't delve into well that couldn't really happen or that isn't how it would go if you really were you know you can't do that. This is a weird story. I don't know. I'm not really sure if I should even talk about this. There's a there's a guy in uh, in uh, I think he's in the Dallas area. Um, he's a multimillionaire, and um, he's really not that old. I think he's in his mid to late forties, but he is obsessed with youth. And um, anyway, there was this uh, article um, in which he talks about how he gets blood transfusions from his teenage son as an anti-aging, what would you call it, therapy? He called him his blood boy. Didn't see that on the Brady Bunch. I mean, my parents asked me to do some strange things, and they would embarrass me from time to time. But, boy, I don't know. Blood transfusions to keep your dad young? That is weird. That is very strange. This guy works with dozens of doctors and regenerative health experts. He's got a whole fitness and eating regimen. He um, wants to get blood from people with ideal BMIs who lead healthy lifestyles. He actually uses a number of blood boys, but one of them is his son. (sighs) That might be okay now. But later on, as uh, Dave Ramsey likes to say, it could make for awkward conversation at the Thanksgiving dinner table. You know what I mean? Isn't that what Dave says? Thanksgiving won't taste the same? Yeah, there you go. All right. Blood boy. So next time you ask your son to like cut the grass or take out the trash, if he gives you any trouble, just remind him you could be asking for so much more. A pint of blood, for example. It's all relative. I, I think I'm too old for this anyway now. Like just at, at, at this point, I don't think you could you could put uh boy blood in me all you want, and I don't think it would make any difference. I think you gotta you gotta arrest the, the aging process way, way sooner. So at this point, I wouldn't benefit. But uh, who was it? That, who was it that they used to say? Was it Keith Richards, uh, Don? That they used to say the, his secret to still being alive was that he was getting his blood yeah. like changed out. Wasn't that the rumor I, about him? Yes, yes, yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Did they ever establish if that I, was true or if that was just myth? I think it was a myth. Yeah, but they wanted to, they wanted to to continue the story, you know, yeah. so that uh, you know it, it's more exciting when it's. When you think it's I mean, at real. this point, you got whatever you can do to keep Keith, Keith Richards going. I mean, I would, I think it's safe to say that the fact that he's going at all is kind of a miracle. But, uh, and boy, when they change out his blood, I can understand they want to put younger blood in him. But what do they do with his blood? I mean, that's like that should be in a toxic waste facility somewhere or something like. But for for God's sakes, make sure nobody gets Keith Richards' blood, his actual blood.
on a Friday night. We're heading into Memorial Day weekend. The dish underway. We're talking restaurants. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience at 210-599-5555. Coming up, we'll have the results on the JR poll as well. And um, trying to figure out how this is going to work. It says here that the new BMW 5 Series sedan allows drivers to change lanes just by looking in the outside mirror. This week, the German automaker unveiled the new system called Active Lane Change Assistant with eye confirmation. Calling it the first of its kind in the world will be available this fall. While driving the new BMW, the vehicle will suggest a lane change that can be carried out by the driver looking in the exterior mirror to confirm the change. The car then takes over the steering and changes lanes on its own. I'm sure you could disable it, and I would do that immediately. (laughs) I mean, I don't think people realize how much they look around. You probably don't realize, because you can't see yourself, how much involuntary glancing and looking at things and distraction and I I I feel like there could be a lot of unintended concert. I know the Germans are great at this. I mean, I know they're not, you know, this is I'm sure been exhaustively tested and so forth, but I, it's just it sounds a little sketchy. Like I think I'd let somebody else go first with that one. And of course we got the whole we've got the whole trend toward um cars that steer themselves, cars that park themselves, semi-autonomous. It's almost like the message from the people that make cars is you people are terrible at driving. Like I always used to think Oh no, I'm not. I I don't like any of this. I don't want self-steering, self-parking, autonomy. But then I, the 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 selling point is going to be: Do you realize how many people who are driving their own cars either aren't paying any attention or aren't any good? And um, this thing works at speeds of up to 85 miles an hour, so you could, with your eye movement change lanes. Hmm. Just trying to think like, uh, you know, you're like Clark Griswold, you're driving along, and the beautiful supermodel pulls up alongside you, uh, (laughs) and the next thing you know, you're in the trees. So we'll see. We'll see how this works. We'll let let other people beta test it or alpha test it or whatever it's called for us. Uh, 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish. And coming up, we'll have the results on the poll question. uh, And we will uh, mark a little rock and roll history before we head into the weekend. Uh, Vera is on the dish on KTSA. Hi, Vera. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good. Uh, What's up? food is great. Mm-hmm. But the one on 410 is so mismanaged. Oh, really? Uh, I've been there three different times since it's opened. Mm-hmm. Two times were in the middle of the afternoon, and two times, one time, I'm sorry, one time was in the middle of the afternoon. Two times were like at 4.30, 5 o'clock before the dinner rush. 
Mm-hmm. And the Monte Cristo, they have the best one in the city. Mm-hmm. And three times in a row, they were out by, you know, before their rush hour meals. And hmm. that's just really poor management. Hmm. You go to the other yeah. cheddars, it doesn't matter when you go, and they're they're fully stocked and all that. So I've only been to the one on I ten. Where where on four ten is is the Cheddars? Uh, right at McCullough. It just opened. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Or seven months. Gotcha. Yeah, it used to be something it's else, right? Maybe like a Fridays or something. It used to be a Fridays. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I know where you are now. The whole building down. Yes, that's right. Man. Yeah, I, it's it's very puzzling that they would be out of something before the dinner rush even started, right? Yes, yes. Did they ever and, explain why or give you, like, an excuse? or? No, and when you ask, the waiters, and I know it's not the waiter's fault, I no, always no. be polite because my right. kids are, are wait, wait people. Is that mm-hmm. what you call them? And, <laughs> Sounds uh, good to me. <laughs> you know, so I'm always nice, but they are just like, I just told you we didn't have any, pick something else. You know, yeah. they don't. Yeah. And when I asked to talk to the manager last night, he was the same way. He was like, huh. we're out, you know? Wow. And, but it, it's just, it's before any rush. But if you go to the one on 35 or I-10, they mm. never have that excuse. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess that's, I guess you got to go to those then. I guess you got to go to the ones yeah. that have, that, that keep their uh, that keep their kitchen stocked up. All right, Vera, thank you for that. You have a good weekend. Thank you for calling the dish and a zing for the Cheddars at 410 and McCullough. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. No, no. No, no. No, no, no. All right, 210-599-5555. Mark is on the dish on KTSA. Hello, Mark. Hey, Jack. Um, happy weekend to you. Um, happy weekend. Coffee. I wanted to talk about a place that's actually a coffee shop in Port Aransas, and they've been around for 13 years. I've been going there. I've probably been there 100 times because I go down there a lot, but it's called Coffee Waves. It's right on Highway 361 near Avenue G. And um, it's your typical full-service coffee shop, but they also have gelato. Uh, I I think I've had the mint chocolate chip. I, I usually don't get the gelato, but uh, but but that's one option. And um, the, the the drink that I usually get there is called the uh, the Big Train, and it's basically to me it's like a like a caffeinated uh, vanilla shake. Uh, it's a frozen Ooh. drink Ooh. with um, sh- I, I get the sugar free vanilla with it, a uh, shot of shot of espresso. I can't remember if mm-hmm. it comes with that or I'm a- adding one, <laughs> but um, but it's really good. And, and uh, you can get something similar at Starbucks. I don't think they have a name for it. But um, mm. I just feel like it, it tastes better at Coffee Waves. I don't know if it's because I'm at the beach or their espresso. Well, tastes I mean, everything well. everything tastes better at the beach, right? Yeah. Now, yeah, I, you know, it's, um, it's it's good to know about this because I, you know, um, places like this can be few and far between. You know, there's a Starbucks everywhere, but when you don't want to go to a Starbucks, you want to give your you know your business to some independent place or you know startup kind of place i'm glad to hear about this so it's called coffee waves and where again is it in port a well it's right on highway 361 but it's in town so it's it, it's maybe okay. a block or two from avenue g so kind of right in the middle okay. of town 
All right. Kind of a bit like in a little, like maybe like a strip center or a shopping center. Yep. Yeah. It's in the, it's in a, a same uh, strip center that has a, a restaurant called Cancun's and there's a Ace Hardware kind of at the opposite end. All right. Very good. That's our first call on that one on the dish. Thank you so much, Mark. You have a great uh, Memorial Day weekend and praise for Coffee Waves on Highway 361 in Port Aransas. Thank God it's No exhaust, no diesel smell. The bus has Wi-Fi and even USB outlets next to every seat. I mean, come on, imagine. You can charge your phone on your way home from work. That's good stuff. Oh. <laughs> she is a miracle. I'm telling you. All right. On the uh, JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, if you had to weather the pandemic in either Florida or New York, which would you prefer? This week, Donald Trump said that uh, he thought New York did a better job with the pandemic than did Ron DeSantis in Florida. 96% uh, said they'd have rather been in Florida, 4% New York. We'll have a new JR poll on Tuesday as we will be off and not have a live show this coming Monday uh, because of Memorial Day. And as you've heard me talk about, it's uh, my daughter's high school graduation. Looking forward to that on Sunday. I, I wrote an open letter to her and to the grads. You can read it at KTSA.com. And we were talking earlier on the show uh, about the rock and roll history milestone. This week in 1979, Supertramp went to number one with one of the most iconic uh, rock albums uh, of the era, uh, Breakfast in America. I want to leave you tonight with one of the songs off that album. This was the senior class song when I graduated from high school. And it's about that age and the questions that you have and the answers that you get. So we'll leave you tonight as we head into graduation weekend with the logical song by Supertramp. Have a good night and a good weekend. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful. A miracle, oh, it was beautiful, magical. And all the birds in the trees, they be singing so happily.